Hello and welcome to show six of All Back to Bowie's. Um, <clears throat> and this show's called Sailors Fighting in the Dance Hall, The Braveheart Myth. Uh, I think it's a really good show, actually. It was one of the, uh, the best we've done so far. I, we're, we're sort of, I think we're going to get into a stride. It was fantastic to have Jenny Lindsay hosting for the first time um, with Kieran. I think you'll agree they do a really good job. The panel discussion is super with um, Alan Bissett, uh, Fiona Watson um, and uh, Linda McLean and uh, just being really um, brilliant talking about Braveheart. Oh and also Rachel Clark who has a fantastic show uh, called um, uh, How to Achieve Redemption of a, as a Scot Through the Medium of Braveheart. So yeah, hosted by Kieran Hurley and Jenny Lindsay. Sailors fighting in the dance hall, the Braveheart myth. Hello. Hello. That was a bit messy, wasn't it? Um, hello and welcome to All Back to Bowie's Q. Rapturous applause. Um, my, my name is Jenny Lindsay. This is Kieran Hurley. We're going to be your hosts today discussing the Braveheart myth. The Braveheart myth. Um, it's a bit of a contentious subject, isn't it, in relation to the independence referendum. If you don't know much about what All Back to Bowie's is, you obviously know enough that you've decided to come here, so that's great. Thank you for coming to join us. We're spending um, every lunchtime here um, in Bowie's uh, yurt, because Bowie said, of course, didn't he, at the, at the Brit Awards via Kate Moss, Scotland, stay with us. So we've taken him up on that kind offer and we're camping out on the roof of his Manhattan apartment in his guest yurt. So welcome, welcome, thank you. <laughs> thank you to, uh, to, to Bowie and to Iman for their, for their hospitality. They might show up, they might show up. If they do, that would be great. It'd be a bit like Santa at a Christmas party. If they don't, we'll still have a lovely time and you're all, you're all welcome. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Braveheart uh, because, love it or hate it, it's the thing that just doesn't ever quite seem to go away in relation to this discussion. It's, it's a, uh, the indie myth that never dies. The indie myth that never yeah. dies. Um, whether it be, you know, a passionate young uh, Commonwealth Games athlete screaming freedom from a swimming pool, or whether it be a, a, a photoshopped image of Big Eck brandishing a claymore in your morning paper, it's always there. So rather than try and run away from it, here at Bowie's we thought we would uh, invite it into the room sit it down for a cup of tea, look it in the eye, meet it face to face, and then grab it by the lapels and wrestle it to the floor and scream why until it gives us some good answers. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing today. We've got a, we've got a wonderful um, uh, roster, really, yes, of, we do. of guests. We've got, we, um, helping us discuss um, and possibly debate and argue uh, about Braveheart, we have a fine bunch of people. So I'm going to tell you who they are, and when I say their name, I would like you to give them a huge welcome. Um, first of all, we have uh, the playwright and theatre maker, and a bit of a troublemaker as well, Mr. Alan Bissett. We have the poet and writer, Linda McLean. Theatre maker Rachel Clark. We have the historian Fiona Watson. And you're also going to be hearing some music today from Andrew Eaton Lewis, otherwise known as Seafield Road. 
Before we get started on all that though, there are some basic house rules of Bowie's guest yes. here that we'd like to lay down. The first is that the nature of the conversations here are that we don't ever directly ask someone what way they intend to vote in the referendum or try and set up some kind of binary yes-no debate. If people want to tell us what way they're voting because that feels relevant to what they're discussing, then that's absolutely great, but that's not the, the issue that we read on. Um, the other thing uh, is that while there might be room for space for the audience to talk back at the end, there might not be as well, so mostly it will just be an opportunity to hear what these guys have to say and then please, please, please stick around with us in the, in the bar over there afterwards if you want to chew over the finer details. So that's kind of how we do it here at Bowie's. Mm-hmm. Or Bowie's. It's, it is, it's Bowie's, isn't it? It is Bowie's. Bowie's. Are we really sure it's Bowie's? It's and definitely not? Bowie's. Because someone told me that he says it's Bowie's. So He's I, wrong, though. He's I, totally, I, I, totally wrong. It's Bowie's. I, I, I'm inclined to totally be a Bowie man, but I think if the man himself insists that it's Bowie, then... Well, this is an ongoing thing here at All Back to Bowie's, and so... Hang, hang on. Should we, should we, let, let, let's settle it, with this audience at least, for, for the meantime. A mini okay. referendum? I'm, 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 I'm claiming Bowie's because I said it first. Okay. okay, okay. So you can be the Bowie man. So all of those who say yes to Bowie, if you're a yes voter for Bowie, can you raise your hand, please? Let's get an so accurate wrong. count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Did I get you? 16, 17, I'm taking it. Okay. 17, 17. And all those for Bowie's? These yes. are the no voters in the room. 1, 2, 3, 4, aye. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, going to give him back this microphone um, I'm going to um, make it as, as, as set up as, as good as possible for you and this is very very awkward isn't it right hang on just um, as, uh, as, so as, as Andrew's getting set up there just to let you guys know if you've got like a piece of paper a scrap piece of paper or a pen or anything we've been doing this thing where we've been asking people to um, write down uh, to complete a sentence for us in relation to the theme so yesterday we were talking about the British establishment and the question was Britain is and we got people to complete that sentence for us and then just hand it in at the end and we'll have them all read out at the end so over the course of uh, of our time here you don't need to do it right away but if you could have the, the sentence Braveheart is ticking over in the back of your mind grab anything that you've got to hand receipts uh, used fringe tickets bus tickets train tickets whatever and um, share pens if you need to this is a uh, socially democratic Scotland where we pool resources um, <laughs> So if you if you can do that through the course through the course of the next hour or so, we'll gather them up at the end, and at the end we will read them back in the form of an improvised crowdsource performance poem by poet Jenny Lindsay. That's what we'll but by you performed by her. That's what we'll do at the end. Um, so without further ado, Seafield mm-hmm. Road. Hello. Um, uh, so I have a friend, a very good friend called Mystic Ziggy. Um, who is a psychic, and um, the other day he made a quite astonishing discovery, uh, which is that um, uh, William Wallace um, actually has delivered a message from beyond the grave uh, to the people of Scotland in this referendum year. Um, The curious thing about this is that he's delivered it in the form of um, a David Bowie song from 1993. Um, 
So when I discovered this, I thought, I have to share this with the world. This is very interesting. Uh, but where could I do it? How would I do it? And then last night, I, I get a phone call from the uh, playwright David Gregg um, saying that he's doing this uh, David Bowie-themed, independence referendum-themed uh, fringe show, and that today they'd be talking about um, uh, uh, Braveheart. And David said to me, it's a, Andrew, do you have any piece of music that might fit that very specific context? And I said, well, it's funny you should mention that, David, because um, I've got this thing and I'll, I'll play it to you. So I played it to him down the phone. the song down the phone to David and um, and he said no, no who even remembers the black tie white noise album that's not going to work <laughs> so I said alright I'll play Heroes or something so. Okay, so um, what we like to do at All Back to Bowie's 
Kieran Bowies, is um, we like to kick off the panel debate with a provocation as well. So um, doing our provocation today is uh, Linda McLean, but before she does that, I just want to say a little bit more about this sentence that we want you to write just while uh, we are dealing with the tech as well. So um, I am what they call a performance poet. This means that I do try to perform my poetry with vim and with verve. So when you're thinking about your sentence for Braveheart, do be, do be as creative as possible. Braveheart is what? And also remember, I am going to try and include as many of them as possible, so do keep it clean. That would be great. Uh, with all of these uh, performances are being uh, recorded. They are going to go out on the interpipes as well. On the interpipes. So, yes, do try and keep it clean. You don't, you don't have to. I can edit on the spot. I can edit on the spot. Um, but uh, do be thinking about your, your sentence as you listen to Linda's provocation, as you listen to the panel debate, and we will be collecting them in towards the end, and then I will be attempting to do your words justice, ladies and gentlemen. So... Without too much further ado, let us start off thinking about Braveheart. Put your hands together and welcome to the stage our provocateur for today, our polemicist, Linda McLean. Um, I'm not a poet, I'm a playwright, just in case any of you were expecting a poem. Um, I've called this My Braveheart, Who Am I in This Story? We swoop through a big glen. I hear bagpipes. There's a dreamy mist in the mountains that gives way to a familiar looking loch. I'm feeling as though I might know this place. Might in fact love this place. It has a feeling of home. The sun glints and I'm coming down through the trees to find myself among a gallop of horses. It's 12.80 and it's a Scotland I never lived in but that has come to me through every ancestor on both my parents' side. So I'm primed to enter this story with an open heart. I see a kid. He's got a mucky face and terrible hair. So I'm already guessing his mother is dead. Although I have to revise this link between terrible hair and dead mothers later. It's about a young boy. That's okay because I was young once, so maybe we'll have some things in common. He's not wealthy, but nor is he starving. He wants to do what his big brother and father do. He doesn't always do what he's told. So far, so normal. And then he stumbles upon a barn full of men and boys who've been hung by people acting on behalf of an evil English king. And the boy is at once traumatised and then addressed by the dead. My link with the boy has weakened a little. Shortly after this, his father and brother are killed. I'm sad for the boy, genuinely. It's very hard losing the people you love the most. But as he's standing at their graveside, I feel the story slipping away from me, that I'm going to be a bystander now as this boy goes on to a valiant manhood. But hang on a minute. There's a wee girl peeping out from behind her mother's skirts. A girl. Now we're talking. It seemed to in 11 minutes in, but that's okay. Better late than never. She has kind eyes. And looks how I feel. Sad for William. Her hair is also a mess. It's at this point I begin to revise my bad hair equals dead mother hypothesis. But I like the girl. She hangs back after everyone leaves and picks a flower for him. It's a thistle, a beautiful, vibrant, 
purple blue thistle. Have you any idea how jaggy a thistle is? Have you ever tried to pick one? I'm liking this girl more and more. She has true grit, compassion, and hands of steel. I know who I am in this film now. It's a story of how a boy becomes the man, so time and space jump, and I'm transported to London, where I find myself in the company of some extremely well-washed people, wearing unbelievably beautiful dresses, men and women alike. There's a gorgeous young queen from France, and the thought occurs to me that maybe this is who I should be. But after a while, I reject that idea. Beguiling as it is, what with her hair being not only clean and long, but also wound in silk and pearls. I reject it because she doesn't have a name. Well, not that anyone says out loud. And my French is only so-so. I'm a bit at sea at this point. Who am I again? I'm the girl in the Highlands. She has a name, Murrin. It means white sea. And I'm at a wedding. I'm all grown up and pretty, with smiling eyes. And William has come back, tall, handsome, muscle-bound and heroic-looking, apart from the hair, which by this time I have no idea how to read, because he had allegedly been off learning Latin and French and travelling the civilised world, so WTF was with the hair. <laughs> Inevitably, they fall in love and marry in secrets. They have about 11 minutes of story time before everything goes badly wrong. She smiles too bewitchingly and a very, very ugly English soldier decides to rape her. I'm not happy that things have taken this turn. She's a fighter, so she kicks, screams and bites half his cheek off, but she's overpowered. She's too weak. Luckily, William is nearby and he rescues her puts her in a horse and escapes himself. But she's caught and tied to a stake and her throat is sliced through as if it were butter. And I'm dead now. I'm dead. After that, there's a lot of fighting. Fighting, fighting, more fighting. Arrows in the bum, staghorns through the chest, blades through the eyes, blood, blood and gore. Blue faces, lots of blue faces suddenly yelling, a beheading, bloody, gorish fighting. I'm not completely gone. I find myself occasionally in the form of a dirty hanky embroidered with thistles, or in a dreamscape, or a wee tune, or as a herald of death, but my story is essentially over. I look longingly at the still living beautiful French queen with the clean long hair and no name, and wonder if I would still be alive if I didn't have a name. At the very least, I would have a nice dress. But much as I richly enjoyed her final whisper into the ear of the evil English king, I wouldn't have been happy about committing adultery. Or seeing my second-hand lover hung, drawn, emasculated and quartered. Especially when the last thing he saw was my face, and the last thing he held in his hand was my dirty thistle-embroidered hanky. And then there's more fighting. The end. Who are you in this story? Thanks very much, Gwinda. Uh, we're going to welcome up uh, 
to this stage the rest of our panel guests. Now, Linda, if we could get you back up as well, that'd be great. And uh, Fiona Watson, Rachel Clark, and Alan Bissett. Round of applause, please, for our panel. <laughs> Sit wherever you like, folks. So I suppose we'll kick things off. Thank you, Sarah. Cheers. Um, it might be wo-fi, but we do have a tech team here. <laughs> Sarah, thank you. Um, uh, I'd like to kick things off just by giving any of you three specifically like the, the floor to respond with any thoughts from, from Linda's provocation there to get us going. Does, anything, does anyone have anything they want to speak back on? It's fine if you don't. <laughs> just, you just tacitly ag uh, agree with her analysis. Yeah, I remember when Braveheart came out right at the beginning of my academic career and um, that was something that I really picked up on. And I, I looked a lot at the internet and it, the theme that was coming out very much from people's reactions to Braveheart was, and I think possibly this was in Mel's mind too, was this sort of very masculine, um, redemptive themes of, of, of a pe you know, men getting back to how men really were and how men should be in the face of all this rampant feminism. So um, I think it's very interesting that you still feel that passion for Braveheart um, all these years later. Um, I was just thinking that, so I, I grew up with Braveheart. It came out when I was five years old. So I've sort of... <laughs> 24. Um, so, like, I um, I've never not known that film, and I, it was only quite recently, I guess, about five years ago or so, that I watched it again, and then went, oh my god, there's no woman, <laughs> because when you grow up, and I think it's something that maybe we'll talk about in a bit as well, but that is very certain within our culture and our ideas as Scots is is this kind of masculine idea and so that was just a part of that and it took it took quite a lot longer before I watched that again and started to question those things and yeah I just thought that was really interesting coming at it from from that idea and also it's boring until she gets killed really isn't it and the fighting's kind of the good bit but there's no one there <laughs> um yeah I mean there is a certain problem with the, the masculinity element of it. It's just a very macho film. Although I, I sometimes think that's maybe an issue with the genre. It's a war movie. And, you know, war principally involves men fighting with other men. Um, it's, and it's not that there's no women in it. I mean, they, there are two um, significant female characters in it. But you're right in that Murren is just a narrative device. She's really just there to die, to provide the story with the impetus that it needs um, I think the character um, of the um, the Queen is slightly more complicated because she, she does go from being a kind of evanescent, beautiful, twinkling figure to being somebody who's a bit more active in the story. She starts to manipulate um, the, the sort of royal court in London um, to a certain extent. But, yeah, I mean, it is definitely, uh, you know, a, a testosterone-drenched film and, and one of the unfortunate byproducts of that is that the female characters are, are less developed. And it, there's, there's also a strain of homophobia in it, which we shouldn't ignore either. I think, in for me, in, um, in uh, Scottish culture, Scottish identity formation, if you like, we do have this archetype of the hard man. There's, this thing, there's a thing about machoism, uh, arguably, in... in 
in representations of Scottishness. I'm wondering how much the panel thinks the issues raised in Winder's Provocation are more to do with the genre of or the, the archetypes of uh, Hollywood uh, movie narrative construction or whether there's something else going on there in terms of representations of Scottishness and Scottish identity. Well, I think to be fair or unfair, depending on how you look at it, of course, Braveheart was very closely based on the 15th century poem Blind Harry, and all of those things that we've mentioned already are in Blind Harry, including, um, well, obviously the love story, but um, the Princess of Wales, who in Blind Harry was Edward I's wife, who was also French. So, I mean, what's interesting is that Randall Wallace could go to this poem in the 20th century and, 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 and it strike gold in his heart, <laughs> which is quite interesting. But, you know, the hard man is normally something associated with Glasgow um, shipbuilders. Um, but we can see, obviously, well, in the Middle Ages, it's not a terribly female-friendly place necessarily, although I think in Scotland we were slightly more better for females than elsewhere, but we'll not discuss that now. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's something that's obviously been, been part of the, the heroic, that great heroic figure which Blind Harry creates in the, in the 15th century is something that still um, strikes gold now. I don't know if I have anything to say, that's right. Um, so I suppose at, at the very beginning we, we, we sort of were having a joke about, you know, love it or hate it with Braveheart, you know, it's still a sort of thing that, that pervades. I mean, the, the fact is, we, you know, we were having a talk before the show and we were sort of split. Some of us love it, some of us hate it, some of us are utterly ambivalent about it, but what, what do you think it is about that kind of narrative that does um, appeal to so many people in Scotland? Why do we enjoy seeing a film like Braveheart? And um, what is it that appeals to us? Looking at you, Alan... As a <laughs> Alan, can you tell us a bit about your relationship with the film and where you stand? I absolutely love it. Here we go. Good man. Which is very difficult to say in the referendum climate because you're not re- you're not really allowed to love it because unionists jump all over the top of you. It's become a kind of stick to beat us with, really. I mean, notwithstanding some of the problems that, that Linda's uh, pointed up. Um, but I think it's well. First of all, it's a very well-crafted film. It's it's made in the era before CGI, so the battle scenes feel incredibly realistic. I mean, if you look at a film like Gladiator, which was made something like two or three years afterwards, it's stuffed with CGI and loses a lot of authenticity. Um, I think it's a, a very passionately made, um, r- robust film, which does what it sets out to do. By the end of it, I mean, I watched it again recently, expecting to hate it because I hadn't seen it in about ten years. And by the end, it was like, <laughs> you know, it, it got us like ET. It gets you every time. Um, and I, but I do think there is something quite politically important about the the context from which it emerged. It came out in 1995. By that point, we'd had 16 years of a Conservative government that we hadn't voted for. You know, it was in that sort of long midnight after 1979. Uh, Scotland was uh, a political failure. We, we, we were powerless to do anything about our situation. It was pre-devolution. And I think to see a film in which the Scots were triumphant you know, had a really powerful effect on people. It was undeniable. But also the fact that Hollywood noticed we were there. You know, in one sense, that's quite sad that we need Hollywood to validate our existence. But I remember seeing it in Sterling and Falkirk. And when the word Sterling came up on the screen, everybody applauded. Just the appearance of the word Sterling. And then when I saw it in Falkirk, and the word Falkirk came up on the screen, everybody applauded. And I was a bit like, well, we kind of get humped in this one, so... (laughs) I don't know if that's appropriate. But we were visible to ourselves on a large canvas. It won Best Picture at the Oscars. 
And I think there is something that I don't think we should throw at the baby with the bathwater. We pray for. There's a thing there about being visible to ourselves, and so like that kind of cultural validation that comes from recognition that comes, that says you exist, and this is a part of your story that we're going to tell. Um, but my, I'm, I'm in the camp, it's an enormously popular film, I'm in the camp that feels embarrassed by Braveheart. It makes me go, oh no, it's a total riddy. Um, but it, for me, that's because I don't recognise myself in it. I don't, it feels like a top-down, outside version of Scottishness that is being presented. So I guess I'm interested in the panel's thoughts on whether or not um, if the, 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 the validation that comes from uh, recognition you are here on the screen, is in any way undermined by that recognition not actually adding up to something substantial or authentic, which is my feeling about it. And I think like we really have to like start talking about what is substantial or authentic because I feel like all of our culture is invented and at some point we just go like, yeah, okay, we'll have that and we keep going. So, you know, like, if we go back to the 17th, 18th century and there's the introduction of uh, clan tartans and of kilts and this starts to get sold as a kind of really ancient history and then we, we decide to take that on and, and bagpipes, which don't originally come from Scotland. And, and I think we're really all the better for, for knowing this and for knowing that Braveheart isn't necessarily histor historically accurate and stuff like that. But I also think we have to take responsibility to choose what parts of culture we want and what and what we don't want and you know the world is such a mess of people and we take things from all over the place and I think that's kind of brilliant and I think that we can do that with Braveheart or, or we can go like we don't want that but and maybe it's fine if some of us go like yeah I want that and you go I don't want that because it's it's just a movie, right? It's, <laughs> and it's, it's quite quite interesting what, what you were saying there. It kind of ties into the responses to perhaps the, the Commonwealth Games. Um, some people saw the opening ceremony as a, a great celebration of Scottish culture. Oh, wow, look, we can laugh at ourselves. We can take what we want from it. Other people looked at it with their fists in their mouths, sort of gnawing their thumbs off, saying, oh, my God, the cultural cringe is alive and well. So is it a case of... Um, other people are deciding what Scottishness is and what Scottish culture is and, 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 and sort of saying this is what it is. Or, I mean, is it as simple as we get to choose what our culture is or is that too cerebral? Um, <laughs> I think I think it's, um, it's something that is, in a way, quite self-selecting. It's if um, lots of people choose to kind of go with that, then that's fine. And I think um, one of the problems I have with the kind of independence debate as a whole is this kind of, which, and which is why I was really interested in this, is this kind of binary idea of like, we all have to go for one thing or we all have to go for the other or we, we all have to decide what we want to be and actually you know, in a, in a way I'm quite excited about the idea of just being a, a person who thinks some things and might think different things from Kieran or different things from you and like you, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I don't know I don't know if it, I don't know if that matters to me. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, it's really, it's it's absolutely fascinating. But I think that um, it boils. I agree with you absolutely that a top-down approach is when you're told this is what you should be or whatever, and 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 we just are. But what we are is conditioned by what we absorb in whatever way, and and education of whatever kind is really important. And from a historian's point of view, my 
most historians' reaction wasn't that most Scots... We were appalled that most Scots didn't realise this wasn't... that this wasn't our history. And the reaction to it reflected the fact that um, Scottish education system didn't value Scottish history, Scottish literature in this way, the way that it maybe does now or will increasingly do. So that's one important point, but I think that leads on to the other point about the, the reaction to Braveheart, the, the elephant in the room, which was downright racist. That we were celebrating the fact that we women in Morningside were standing up and when an English person got killed. Um, and, 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 and I remember sitting at the Edinburgh Book Festival because they did something on, on, on Wallace a year or so after with the lady, I can't remember what her name is, is it Lynn, Lynn somebody who writes crime novels, but she had the Mac Braveheart website at the time. And, and all this sort of vitriol came up and it was almost like we were licensed to hate the English through Braveheart because again, in Hollywood terms, the English are the only race now that you can make bad through and through and ugly, really ugly a lot of the time. Um, and that's an issue that we've had to address uh, and I think we are addressing since the Parliament in, in 99 that we've become a little less insecure <laughs> because that was the problem, that was one of the many problems I had with Braveheart, which again is a film I do enjoy, but it's more the reaction to it, which I think stems from a deep insecurity at the time and a deep lack of knowledge uh, about who we are to give us that pride going forward. Um, I've travelled a lot, um, mostly with my work, and there's two things that I hear most about Scots. And one is, we've got a great education system, best educated kids in the world, and that we're a nation of drunks. And, and I find myself grasping at one, saying, yes, yes, we're really, really very well educated. don't even know if that's true anymore. Um, but, you know, we don't drink that much. And I know that that's sometimes true. So <laughs> it is very much about seeing our... Uh, the representations of our culture reflected back at us and and choosing which ones we want when in actual fact I think if we have an honest debate it's got to be about recognising the inclusivity of all of us um, I just wanted to pick on I think there's something quite interesting and quite particular to Scotland about um the way that we perpetuate our own myths and we do it with Braveheart and we do it with so many things. It's like, yeah, I'm from Scotland. Yeah, we're really tight. Yeah, we drink all the time. We're like these really brave, wild people and we all live in fucking shacks in the highlands and like we really go for it. We, we kind of, um, at the same time, we want to go like, oh no, but actually, you know, oh God, Braveheart, like it's all really historically inaccurate and it's all made like I what what do we want I don't I don't I don't get it <laughs> um, Alan when you tell people that you love Braveheart what kind of reaction do you get do you think that tells you anything about um Scottish culture at all uh, well it depends who you're saying it to and, and what the context you're saying it in as um I mean at the moment it's something I feel a bit uh wary of saying because I'm pretty sure on Twitter as we speak there are going to be unionists saying, see, I knew it. That's what this is all about. It's all about Braveheart, you know, and of course it's not. Um, but I think one of the interesting things, I mean, I want to pick up on something that Fiona said about the, uh, the English thing. I mean, you know, I don't entirely agree. I mean, I would be worried if Braveheart then translated into the real world of, into anti-English sentiment. And, you know, obviously that's to be uh, disapproved of. Um, but at the same time, you know, these things did happen. 
you know, England at that time was colonising Scotland. And we can't pretend it didn't happen just in case, you know, it, it happens to offend them. You know, that's part of the historical record. Um, and I think uh, abroad, it's only the Scots that have a hang-up about Braveheart. It really is. And m- maybe we're more sensitive to because of the issues of representation that you're talking about. But I don't really think they have a, a hang-up about it in England. And in fact, uh, the Empire magazine, you know, the... Um, the film magazine recently did a 300 best films ever made thing and uh, Braveheart was at number 147. Now that must be because English film fans are voting for it. So they can obviously see past that and, and, and take it for what it is. But I also think that around the world people see it as an anti-colonial film. You know, the message of it is that, you know, a small nation resisted domination by a stronger one. And I think that's a very positive message. Well, I was just going to say about Empire Magazine, I do wonder, I, I read that and film um, and IMDb and I'm always, oh, I'm no longer, I used to be really surprised by how many macho, all-male films there were that scored really highly on those sites and I think that maybe the gender thing about who's choosing them might be more of the, the reason for that. Uh, yeah, just to add the historical perspective there, you're absolutely right. What the English did was, was totally wrong in, in invading Scotland, etc., etc. But that's what Scottish kings were doing elsewhere. That's what they were doing up in the northwest. Um, they were they were imperialists too <laughs> um, at the time. And as for the colonial thing, you're absolutely right. But we've dumped our colonial heritage. We were out there colonising the world, and it's England that still gets tarred with that brush. Maybe this is entirely irrelevant, but that's what the historian does say. Hang on a minute, it's more complicated than that. And and having trolled through the internet sites at the time of Braveheart, yeah, there were some horrible things were said, were allowed to be said. And I think hopefully I'm 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 pretty sure that we've grown up a lot since then and, and maybe in some way thanks to, to Braveheart and the debate that it generates. Just one last thing to say, which is um, my whole family every now and again, and it's usually about once every one or two years, have to have a Braveheart night. But how we do it is we allow ourselves to fully express and emote. And so at the moment of Bruce's betrayal, we actually all collectively go, And we do cry and we do laugh and we do sing. So, um, yeah, we've enjoyed it too. ritual exercising of (laughs) demons. Um, Rachel, on that, you have a show at the Fringe this year called How to Achieve Redemption as a Scot Through the Medium of Braveheart. I would would love to know how to do that. It seems like Linda and her family are on the way. Um, uh, uh, So I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about the show's relationship to the film and yours within that. I've, I've been making the show for a few years and I, I sort of started making it as a like exploration of because I'd, I'd gone for ages like I don't really want to be Scottish and I moved away and I, I just decided I wasn't, I wasn't into it anymore and I sort of wanted to address that and, and talk about that and why that was and see if there was a way that I could be happy with that and so I did a bunch of things, I do bits of the show dressed as Alex Salmond and I do bits as Donald Trump and then I got on to kind of looking at stereotypes and, and, and Braveheart was a big one and I started sort of performing bits of bits of Braveheart as a as a way of kind of going I I think it's interesting what you're saying about um the kind of unionist camp going like oh it's all about Braveheart and like because I I, I actually feel like Braveheart's a really exciting exciting 
wrong, maybe wrong word. Um, really interesting way of like talking about Scotland quite ambiguously because there's so much to celebrate in it and it's so screwed up and it's such a mess and, and all that and so I, I kind of have a, a lot of conflicts about it and I started doing bits of it and it made me realise that I just really loved doing bits of it. I just had a brilliant time and uh, and and when I watch that film like you know it, it makes me feel Scottish but it makes everyone feel, it makes everyone in England feel Scottish. I mean I, I live in Bristol and I did a screening of it last year like and started making the show again and, and I said I asked everyone at the end and they were like yeah we won and I was like no you you didn't like, but it, it's it, in a way it's sort of quite unifying because of that and so yeah I, I started doing that and then I performed the Braveheart Freedom Speech at, at Ibrox which is maybe another story um, but was you know Braveheart doesn't do it for everyone let's just, let's just put it there and um, that's quite a long story. You can come. You can come see the show if you want to know about it. It's a plug. Just that was smooth. Except I just told you it was okay. Uh, do we have any final closing thoughts from any of our panel? Anything that we've not touched on that you that you're burning to get off your chest before we wrap up? Or are we, we are we sated? Uh, yeah. Alan. Uh, one of the un- unfortunate byproducts of Braveheart is that that word freedom has now become a word that we can no longer use because as soon as you say it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're just harking back to that, and etc. But actually, in the present day, although the, com- clearly the circumstances are very, very different to what they were back then, that is what the independence referendum is still about. You know, we're still fighting to be an autonomous nation. We're not being uh, occupied anymore. You know, we're not necessarily be, uh, in a colonial situation. But <laughs> agreed, agreed. Um, but I think there is something about that word that is still powerful and does still resonate. Thank you very much. If you're uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing that I find really surprising about films like that but particularly um, the portrayal of women in that film is, I don't know how many of you here are Scottish I'm sure you all have mothers My, my experience of Scottish women is not that they're too weak or too mealy mouthed or can't speak up for themselves or lack strength in some way. And and actually one of the things I'm enjoying a great deal about this independence debate is I'm seeing a lot more women stand up and speak and be given a platform. <laughs> Not last night, I'm sure we're working on that. I, I entirely agree with Alan about the freedom element, and I think that we're very fortunate, and we've done a lot of the work ourselves, that, that the idea of the notion of freedom, which I would actually credit Robert Bruce with, um, and we've just celebrated the Bannockburn anniversary, and it's Bruce who equated what that battle was about right from the evening before, and that's why it's resonated till today. Um, but Braveheart was was lauded or, or found resonance from Motherwell to Memphis to Medina, People in the Middle East, you know, the idea that you could overcome, as you said, the colonial uh, aspect or oppression, and that's something that, that we have uh, should be grateful to Braveheart for in a way, and that the Scots have now associated with those, those struggles for freedom. And on that, and on that, um, could you give a, a big massive hand to all of our panelists? Thank you so much for Thanks those very much, guys. Nice words. Linda McLean, Alan Bessett, Rachel Burke, and Fiona Watson. Thanks, folks. So...
what we are going to do now is we are going to get you to uh, write your sentence, if that is okay. I'm going to come around and collect them. Has anyone written a sentence already? Braveheart is. We've got a few. Uh, David, not Bowie, but Greg. Bowie, sorry, Bowie, I lost, Bowie. didn't I? David <laughs> Bowie, not Bowie, but David Greg, is coming around now to collect them. So if you could just hand them to, to, to David on your way round. If you've not written one yet and you need a pen or paper because you don't have one, but you do want to write one, but it's a lack of resources that is a barrier for you, then please put your hand up and we'll see if we can deal with that. Does anyone have a pen or paper they can lend this lady on the front? There's some paper and a pen. Great, done. Anyone else? See what happens when we work together. We are better together. <laughs> um, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, great, so is that, are we, are we all in? We've got one still being scribbled down? Hmm? Yeah, of course. Um, so while we're collecting those in, uh, I'm just going to let you guys know a bit about... I've got it written down here somewhere, the information that I need to plug the shows of the guests that we've had. So let me, let me just do that. Maybe I'll just ask them to help me since I can't find it. Um, Alan has a show called The Pure, The Dead and The Brilliant, a play that he's written that deals explicitly with the referendum question um, that is on at Assembly Rooms at what time, Alan? Half past two every day. So he's going to have to shoot off shortly after this, but do try and catch that if you can. As we mentioned, Rachel Clerk has a show called How to Achieve Redemption as a Scot through the Medium of Braveheart, which is on at one of the underbelly venues, which is it? It's in the Cowgate, Underbelly Cowgate, at ten past four every day. And you've got some flyers, do you? You do not, if you fail. Okay, maybe we don't have flyers, but like, look it up and write it down. Uh, Linda, do you have a show at the Fringe that you need to plug? No. no? Fiona, do you, want, do you want us to switch people onto your research in any meaningful way? Okay, so I think there's one other thing that we want to mention as well, is that right? Oh yeah, um, I'm helping to organise a show called National Collective Presents, which is um, the cultural campaign for uh, independence, and um, that's every single day, um, no it's not, it's every single Thursday, Friday and Saturday of the Fringe at the Scottish Storytelling Centre from 9 to 10 o'clock at night. It's um, a pre presentation show, it's not a discursive show, we've got lots of artists who are just putting across, they are very different and wildly diverse reasons for um, supporting the uh, yes side and we've also got a lot of sort of artwork that's documented the campaign over the last couple of years as well so if you're interested at all regardless of if you're voting yes or voting no if you're interested in what's been going on in the grassroots movement it's like it's a great show even if I do say so myself and um, it launches tomorrow night um, with Liz Lockhead, uh, Kieran, uh, Robert Summon and um, Rona and Marit so it's a really good show. All right, is that it? Uh, I think we'll check with David. Yeah, we've got them all. We've got them trusted. Oh, yeah. So you, that's the first few the right way around in order to... And I'll try... I'll, shall, I, shall I hand them over to you as we go? Is that going to... You don't like that? You're a control freak, so you're just going to fiddle your own way through it. That's grand. So you can see this. We'll see how this goes as a crowdsourced, audience-collectively-written performance poem by Jenny Lindsay. But what you also need to know about these is that they're going to get, um, we're going to give these all to the National Library of Scotland um, for their uh, referendum uh, archives. Um, and all these actual tiny little documents here, these bits of scrap paper, will be stored um, uh, in the National Library of Scotland's referendum archives forever. So uh, in the meantime, they exist now as a poem of sorts. Of sorts being the operative word. Okay, so... 
is a shite film, but it does attract lots of American tourists, therefore dollars to Scotland, this is probably, on balance, a good thing. Braveheart is, so we can create the freedom of the future. Braveheart is the seed of its own destruction. Braveheart is entertainment dressed up as history. Braveheart is like tartan, much derided, but most countries would pay a fortune to have it. Braveheart is a film like Titanic that I have never seen. Uh, Braveheart is a mechanism for the world to know something however vague about Scotland and our struggle for freedom. And that is someone's shopping list. Um, Braveheart is totally fucked up but just about makes me willing to die for my country controversial Um, Braveheart is uh, what makes us aware of our lack of self-awareness it is also about people with bad hair and fantastic teeth Um, Braveheart is good cinema bad politics irrelevant really Uh, Braveheart is never having to say okay this is Play B. I'm sorry, I can't read all of them. Plan B, Plan B, Plan B, Play B. Sorry. Um, Braveheart is a, a what to someone with the fat... Um, a, oh, a pain in the arse. It's an acronym. Braveheart is a pain in the arse to someone with the family name Freebairn. I can see that. I can see that. Um, Braveheart is Mel Gibson's idea of Scotland. It's time to show the world our version. Braveheart is quite a good film about up to two hours and then it's a bit shite. Braveheart is an edgeless pastry kind of thing. And um, Braveheart is an inspiration for those who want freedom all over the world. Braveheart is a film that makes us think we're doing something when in fact all we have done is sit on our backsides. Braveheart is a total embarrassment. Braveheart is my little sister. Braveheart uh, started on the false notes of foreign pipes, fraudulent failures, state of Mel Gibson at Stirling Castle and it's the only film I know of with no obvious product placement. Um, Braveheart is the dancing in the street of Scotland's back catalogue, overblown, unrepresentative and unnecessary but tolerable due to optimistic hope that somewhere it's a harmless enough gateway drug to something more substantial, intoxicating and addictive. Um, Braveheart is blue painted Gibson or... is, hang on, Braveheart is blue painted Gibson or a footballer stepping up to take the decisive penalty or the nation taking the decision to self-determine. Braveheart is so we can create the freedom of the future. We're back to where we started. So um, thank you very much for the poem. And now, here he is, Kieran. Yes, um, all that's left to be done before we um, introduce uh, Seafield Roads back up for a song to, to leave us all with is to say a word of thanks, I suppose, to David Bowie, 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 for, uh, for, for letting us stay here in his um, very uh, fetching guest yurt on the roof of his Manhattan apartment. Thanks also to Iman, let's not forget her, for the hospitality. Um, and if you guys want to join us... Uh, after the show, we will be in the the bar area, that one over there, not the orange one, the sort of brown wood one. Um, uh, Hopefully some of the acts will be able to stick around for a while um, if you want to continue the conversation out there. So thanks to all of you for coming, spending this time with us. If you've enjoyed your time here, do tweet about it. If you do that sort of thing, do tell your friends. We're here all through the fringe uh, at this time with a different theme and a different set of guests and sometimes even different hosts um, every single day. So tell folk about it, do come again and 
Thank you very much. Seafield Road. Um, this is... <laughs> that could have gone badly. Um, uh, this is, I suppose, a pro-independent song, but it's, um, it's as much about family as about um, country. And I thought it would be nice um, on a day of Braveheart discussion to have a pro-independent song sung by someone with an English accent.
Your houses are right here This road's already built Put down your spade, put down your axe for Fiona Watson, for Linda McLean, for Rachel Clark, and for the poet Jenny Lindsay, and, the poor, and yourselves for writing up Advocate and Hurley. Uh, thank you all very much. We'll be at the bar. Thank These are the Braveheart sentences. <clears throat> Jenny, in the show, made a brilliant poem out of them. So some of these you've heard before, but just to keep everything um, fair, we're going to read out everyone, as we always do on the website and on the podcast. So if you can put up with my delivery, then here is Braveheart Is. Braveheart Is, an inspiration for those who want freedom all over the world. Braveheart Is, what makes us aware of our lack of self-awareness, it's also about people with bad hair and fantastic teeth. Braveheart is not me, I'm a weak heart. Braveheart is a mechanism for the world to know something, however vague, about Scotland and our struggle for freedom. Braveheart is a film like Titanic that I have never seen. Braveheart is the seed of its own destruction. Braveheart is entertainment dressed up as history. Braveheart is never having to say, okay, this is plan B. Braveheart is Mel Gibson's idea of Scotland. It's time to show the world our version. Braveheart is quite a good film, up to about two hours, and then it's a bit shite. Braveheart is an endless, an edgeless pastry kind of a thing. Braveheart is a film that makes us think we've done something when, in fact, all we've done is sit on our backsides. Braveheart is a total embarrassment. Braveheart is a blue-painted Gibson. Oh, woad is me or a footballer t- stepping up to take the decisive penalty, or the nation tackling the decision to self-determine. Braveheart is my little sister. Braveheart started on the false notes of foreign pipes, fraudulent failures, statue of Mel Gibson at Stirling Castle! Exclamation mark. Braveheart is the only film I know with no product placement. Braveheart is the dancing in the streets of Scotland's back catalogue. Overblown, unrepresentative and unnecessary but tolerable due to optimistic hope that somewhere it's a harmless enough gateway drug to something more substantial, intoxicating and addictive. Braveheart is a pain in the ass to someone with a family name Freebairn. Braveheart is good cinema, bad politics. Irrelevant, really. Braveheart is a shite film, but it does attract lots of American tourists and therefore dollars to Scotland. This is probably on balance a good thing. Braveheart is like Tartan, much derided, but most important countries would pay a fortune to have it. 
Braveheart is so that we can create the freedom of the future. Braveheart is totally fucked up, but just about makes me willing to die for my country. So, that's Braveheart.